Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey everybody, so excited to welcome you back to Show Your Scars. I have a few episodes that I've recorded over the winter and I wanted to make sure I got them out as timely as possible, but sometimes life happens and things get in the way, but these stories are worth being shared. And so they are coming to you now a couple months later, but still nonetheless, they have some powerful meaning behind them. This first story I have is from Lene Brody She is an entertainment reporter and has a really interesting story about how her ACL injury and healing is so interconnected and interwoven into the emotional side of her life. I think it's really important to note that your emotions play a part in your physiological breakdown and makeup that when you are really high or low on emotions, that that can change what's going on in your body. And she talks about that. Really interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy this. Here she is, Lene Brody. Lene, so excited that you get to join us and we get to chat about all things in regards to your scars and your ACL injury recovery. So how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I um, had a nerve conduction study done two weeks ago and I went for my follow-up um, Monday where they did determine that there is some nerve damage and they they didn't look at the um abductor the quad abductors closely enough so I have to go get retested and go oh. that again in two weeks and just like the thought of it is like bringing out all the emotions Oof. it was I tried to explain it to someone I'm like it, it was actually like being tortured it was like you're being tasered in like parts of your body that are already wounded and hurting so they want to kind of like look at where I was okay at that point it'll be a month to like where I'll be at now to see if there's been any improvement any changes because they did it about four weeks post-op my post-op my second surgery mm-hmm. so they just want to see if like I was still having some issues because of surgery or if like those issues are actually still there well, okay. I feel like that's a lot to unpack because there, I, I heard not only second surgery, I heard nerve testing. I heard another nerve testing. So I, I, I want to dig into each one of those things because I think even on that nerve side, there might be people going through some of those similar scenarios that may say, Hey, maybe I should get my nerves tested. So, um, let, let's go back to your initial injury. It was a little, almost a year ago and it was a ski accident. And can you take us through what that was like and how you found out that you had torn your ACL and kind of what the next steps were for you? Yeah, sure. So I was in Deer Valley. My parents have a place up there and I'm a very advanced skier. Okay. So I, I mean, I like, you're not doing fall. the greens. Yeah. I never fall. <laughs> I do the, you know, the double diamonds, like whatever. And it was the end of the day. I'd been skiing with my cousin all day. He had to go home. And so I was like, okay, I had a cookie. Like I could either go left and take like the green, the easy way down, or I could go right and do the moguls and the double diamond. So I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to go right. Obviously. Like I just ate a cookie. 
And there was a sign that said like caution, thin layer, but like, I see those all the time and I just don't, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. They just, you know, whatever. Yeah. This, it was great that day. And I made it about a third of the way down and all of a sudden, like my ski kind of caught on some ice and I couldn't stop myself. And I just remember hearing and feeling a pop, like I'd never heard and felt mm -hmm. before. And I still, to this day, for those out there who um, have obviously gone through an ACL tear, I, I still hear it and picture it very clearly. Major P, PTSD, I'm sure we all have it from that. And um, I, I had a, a boyfriend who had just moved in with me at the time. And I like saw his face flash before my eyes. He was in Hong Kong. And I'm like, not like super hippy dippy spiritual or anything like that. And I have two of my closest friends are, and like, I shared this with them at a later date and we can mm -hmm. talk about what their take was on that, um, as we get into our conversation. But, um, I stood up and I just collapsed mm. and then I stood up again and I put all my weight on my left and I go, I can't see over this hill nobody's out here. I'm in survival mode. I knew the lifts were closing soon and I don't know how, but I got down on my left leg and I just couldn't stop shaking and, and trying to keep myself calm. Wow. And I made it to the bottom and or the bottom of where the lift was. And I uh -huh. just, I am not one to ask for help. I never ask for help. It is such a weakness of mine. And even in that moment, I was like, I, I can get to the bottom. I can do it. Like, I'll just go up the lift and I'll ski down. Like, I got it. And then I said, no. So I said, I need ski patrol. And the guy goes, well, you're in luck. There's one right behind you. And I turn around and like, there was my guardian angel ski wow. patrol behind me. And they put me on the, on the back of the bus and took me down. And I had never been pain like that in my entire life. And I knew that something was torn. Right. Um, I know nothing about knee injuries. My mom's had them over the years, but I was just like, I was younger. I wasn't living at home. I think I was in college when she had, like, I just didn't remember. And, you know, they took me to the hospital and, and they did, um, an x-ray, which was like such a joke because like, that's not going to show anything. And like, you know, $1,800 later, they were like, well, here's some crutches, here's some painkillers and you'll need to go follow up with an orthopedic. And, um, that's pretty much the story of how yeah. the tear went down. It's funny because a lot of people get in that space where they're like, oh, I got to get an x-ray. And I know that it's for, it wasn't your decision. It was what you were told to do. But I, I feel like in those scenarios, especially when you're on a ski mountain, like they must see that all the time. You oh, would yeah. think that they wouldn't say that to people. Like don't go spend $1,800 on an x-ray. But then again, they're just trying to treat the, the trauma. One thing that you said that I think is really interesting, and I'm curious if you've learned to manage that as you've gone through this process is you said you're not one to ask for help. And that actually is a weakness of yours, not the other way around, not asking for help is a weakness, right? But that not asking for help is a weakness. Has this process of recovery in, enabled you to look at help in a different way and look at asking for help in a different way? Definitely. I think, you know, I think everything kind of happens for a reason. And somebody actually told me this and I never thought about this before because it was brought to my attention that like, this is a weakness of mine. And I don't think I ever really honed in on that. Just, I'm very independent. I always have been. And somebody said to me, they're like, okay, so let's, let's see. Knee accidents happen to people who need to learn to ask for help. And I was like, okay, like what would elaborate? Mm-hmm. 
And this person was brought to me, one of my bestest, bestest friends in the world. She's like, go see this spiritual guru. Cause I've just been having trouble healing and like all these setbacks. I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? There's got yeah. to be a, like a lesson that I'm not learning. Like I really tried to tap into that spirituality, not just because of my knee, but it's like the world we're living in right now. Like, yeah whatever. And so this, this woman who's actually like an energy healer, like my friend was like, I swear to you, just go be open-minded. I was like, whatever, I'm willing to try anything. I'll talk to anybody. (laughs) And she said to me, she goes, when you hurt your knee, if you needed something and your mom was at the store or whatever, what did you use? If you had to go to the restroom and I'm like, well, my crutches. And she goes, and what do crutches help you do? I go, they help you walk. And she's like, and could you walk without them? I said, no. And she's like, and how frustrating was that for you to not be able to walk because you needed help? And I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't tell you how many times I cried. I threw them, I whatever. And she's like, yeah, she's like, that's the lesson is, is you needed help. And you didn't even realize you were asking for help by grabbing those crutches and you threw them because you were so frustrated that you needed help. And it kind of like resonated with me in a way that I'd never thought of before. Yeah. And she's right. And I feel like I keep having these setbacks because I haven't learned how to accept help and Mm. ask for help. And I don't know why it's always been an issue for me. I don't know if it's because I'm independent and I definitely am one of those people that's like, if I need something done, like I just do it because quote unquote, I do it better than somebody else is going to do it. And it's more energy for me to ask someone, teach someone than just do it myself, which is why I don't sleep. And I have my hand in 10 hundred different things every day. But like, I, I think that is the lesson that I haven't learned yet that I'm still needing to work on is yeah. asking for help, accepting help and not being afraid of rejection with asking for help. Cause like that may be what I need to be working on. Yeah. Gosh, so many things that you just said, I want to dive into deeper. The one thing that I think is interesting is when I was building the ACL club, I was thinking about the people around us that, that we choose in to help us with this journey. And I actually, at one point, I remember writing something and I think it's still on the website where I'm like, these are your crutches. The people around you are your crutches that you need to lean on when you can't go any farther or that, that it's not a weakness. And I think that this is something that I don't, I don't know if it's more common in women than, than men, but I would say probably not because we are taught to be strong, right? We are. And, and there is, you talk about being independent and that is something to be proud of. Right. But also I think we get mixed in this life where it has to be one thing or the other, that you can't be strong. If you ask for help, that that's weakness. And really strength is knowing that you can't do everything on your own and that you do need other people. And it seems to me like when you're talking and when you're speaking about your recovery is that's been the emotional side for you is you've been learning how to deal with these emotions that come up almost hand in hand with the physical barriers or things that you've come in along the way when you've gone through this journey. Absolutely. And, you know, I, we, we spoke a little bit beforehand, but it was two days before my surgery that I'd gone into the office. And this is why, like, I feel like my journey has kind of been so like emotional Mm -hmm. is, you know, I I went into my office and it was my last day before I was, I took off three weeks because I had a full ACL tear partial meniscus. Okay. And, um, I go into the office and I'm about to leave and, and a coworker stops me and I wasn't supposed to even be on this floor. I mean, this is eerie stuff. 
And he goes, oh, Lene, Lene, I, I meant to text you Friday. I'm so sorry I forgot. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And I had just gotten back from New York. My, my boyfriend um, took me and my son and we had a great week. It was kind of like a last hurrah, if you right. will, before. I'm walking, I can do things and let's totally. go do things, and, yeah. And I was pushing, like, I don't stop. I was pushing my, I, I had gotten so swollen with the walking and the <sighs> 20,000 steps that like my foot yeah. was- so large I had to go to urgent care while I was in New York oh my gosh because you didn't want to ask for help or a taxi right you just wanted to walk it off exactly I just I'm okay I'm okay and it was right at the start where you're hearing about coronavirus it was the tail end of February and I go into the urgent care and like you know they're like wear this boot whatever fine I called my surgeon they weren't concerned like with surgery fine Mm -hmm. So we get back to LA and I'm in the office and, and I shouldn't, like I said, I shouldn't have been there. And my co a coworker saw me. He's like, I, I ran into, um, Michael on Friday night. That was my boyfriend. And I'm like, well, well that's impossible. He was in Dallas. He, he put Ace and I on a plane, had a, a car waiting for us in LA so that like, I didn't have to deal with the luggage. We got in at midnight. He, he was in Dallas and he goes, um, no, he was at bungalow with, with me or not with me, but I saw him, we, we spoke and I'm like, what? So here I am Wow. 48 hours before surgery, finding out that my boyfriend lied to me about being out of town before what is a huge emotional journey that I'm about to. Yeah. And he, I, I confronted him that night and I literally said, get your stuff and get out of here right now. Mm-hmm. And I broke up with him and kicked him out on the spot. Cause I knew in my heart that that was somebody's way of telling me this person is not supposed to be here right now. Yeah. So 40 hours before my surgery, I had to change my emergency contacts. I had to call my mother and my father who jumped on a plane and came and emotionally rescued me. Cause I was at an all time low. I can only and imagine that was kind of how that was going into surgery is scary enough, but going into surgery on top of a breakup with, I I wholeheartedly thought I was spending the rest of my life with this person. Um, I thought we were kind of getting closer to that point, especially because we lived together and I knew it was a sign to get him out. And I had to really dig deep because here I was after surgery, sitting in bed in pain, miserable, healing, not just a broken leg, if you will, but a broken heart. And I have never felt lower at that time. So I kind of took that time once I did get back into work, um, for those who don't know, cause they probably don't, I'm an entertainment reporter. And my boss called me while I was on medical leave and said, I'm so sorry to bother you. You don't have to do this. But you know, with Corona, Corona had now gotten thick, everything was locked down. So what a better time than to sit um, and I felt like that happened to me for a reason because I'm very on the go and everybody knew that like the biggest thing I was worried about was missing out on my events because that's where, that's where I thrive. That's, that's your I place. So I'm yeah. at five, seven events a week. I'm on red carpets. I'm talking to talent. I'm this, I'm that. So I kind of felt like it was all happening for a reason, right? Like the, the universe was holding for me so I wouldn't miss out, but like I needed to sit and deal with my emotions. So she said to me, you know, Bethany Frankel's making all these masks. There was a mask shortage and I'm, I'm very friendly with her team. Right. And she goes, is there any way you can try to get an interview? And I like, Bethany is a mentor of, of somebody I look up to. She's yeah. um, so smart, 
so smart and I loved what she was doing. And I'm like, oh my God, that's going to make me feel so good because here I am doing what I love, but like still I can do it for my bed. Like what better way than to recover, still be able to recover, but do what I love. So I called, I was able to get on the phone with her that night. We had an interview and then like I was starting to connect her team with my doctor friends who needed masks. So here I am paying it forward. And from there I was, I went to my boss and I said, listen, like this is making me feel so good. I'm, I'm feeling down. I've always wanted to launch some more content on Instagram. Like, what do you think about like doing, letting me talk to these Bravo people live? Like that's what people are starting to do in this pandemic. And she's like, all right, like we can try it. And I have, I have asked for a year and a half with Bravo people. And so I became a live host during quarantine um, for Hollywood life. Our social platform over doubled. We're probably at, we're at 1.1. We went from like 550,000 million. And I just recorded my 50th episode last week. Let's go. Um, So There's more to the story, but however, just in that context, you know, I had to sit with my emotions and then I took something to try to help heal myself. And Mm -hmm. this series has brought me so much joy, so much love. And, and my biggest piece of advice for those going through this is to find a passion that you can do while you're recovering. I mean, I was literally on motion machines interviewing some people over the phone, but like I would sit in my room with like, uh, you know, my hand held up here with the phone on ice on, with elevation. Sure. Nobody knew. Right. And then a lot of these people started following me being like, Oh, I'm following your journey. How's your knee? Blah, blah, blah. So then it like turned into a whole thing. And then I started telling my story on Instagram and becoming public instead of private and all these things, because people started reaching out to me. Like I've been right. through this and this and that. And I kept my breakup very, very private. I mean, my closest friends knew and everybody just felt so bad for me. Um, and he's a total jerk and checked in on me like a couple of times here and there, but like, like beyond loser, beyond loser. And like, I just kept saying to myself, I'm like, there has to be a plot twist. So Mm. my parents threw me in the car and I was in Arizona for four months living with them, recovering from knee surgery with a broken heart. It was like the worst four months of my life. My mom was saying, she's like, why are you so angry? I'm like, why the hell do you think I'm so angry? Like (laughs) I hate everybody. Right. And I had at home PT coming, but you know, it wasn't the same. Um, I didn't have machines to work with. I didn't, and, and I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that. Right. No machines. And I would just sit there and, and cry. And everybody who knows, it's like, you go through this and it hurts. And then all the emotions come out. And so anytime like they would hurt me, I'd be like, well, Michael hurt me. And anytime she'd bend my leg, I just sit there and bawl because I'm like, that jerk left me. I'm abandoned. Yeah, I'm- Like your emotions were intertwined with the heartache and the well, knee ache. Yes. So intertwined and it would make me want to reach out to him or, or respond back to him or this or that, but I'm trying to be strong and know, and and in the back of my mind, I kept thinking of my coworker, Tim, as like my guardian angel, like that happened for a reason. And I truly, as I moved through it, I was like, this happened to get him out of my life, to clear the path for the right person or this or that. And like, on a total whim, a total whim. Like I was just like, eh, let me just like get on the apps. I got back to LA once I could walk the block. 
And <laughs> walk started, the block. Yeah. And I, I don't even know what that means, but I like that. It's got like, like a good walk without help, like be able to walk your block walk, in your, okay. Yeah. To confidently like I got walk. to walk the block and I was yeah. back. And so I, like I left my parents after four months. And, and if you have more questions, like you can feel free to cut me off. Yeah. I'm just going on a tangent here, but it all does come together. For sure. So, I, I get back to LA and, you know, I get back and I find out my ex gets back the day after me and I'm just sitting there waiting for the call. And like, I found, I was like, I'm going to go on the dating apps. And I found out he saw me on there and like wigged out and called me and I missed his call. And he did everything in his life to make my life an emotional hell mm-hmm. and, you know, would reach out and then not call back. And like, just, it was bad. And I'm like, why are you in LA? You're not working. You've been furloughed. You're clearly here to talk to me. I'm going through so much. Stop doing this. To right. me. Like what kind of sick person clearly you're sick. Like this is sick behavior to like emotionally beat up on someone who's already emotionally bruised and people who have not bruised journey don't know the emotions that are tied to it. And so mm. here I am, I'm rehabbing. And during this time, I really went on like a physical health journey. Like I was into pure bar. And so I was doing what I could virtually Right. that. And then when I got back to LA, soul cycle was open for like literally a week, but I went and I rode the bike and I sat in the saddle and it felt yeah, so good. And then we yeah. got locked down again. Um, and they closed all the fitness studios and I really worked on like my, my nutrition. I worked on my, what I could, I, I was like abs and arms, abs and arms, abs and arms, just, and I'm in the best shape of my life. And from there I like found berries and from there I got my own soul cycle bike and, and fitness has become so important to me. And when then people are like, you look amazing. What are you doing? Like this and that, like that makes you feel better. And so I like got back on the apps and I'm swiping and I like connected with this one guy and like, we're talking and we're both like, Oh, this will be so fun. And I like, totally, I was like, zoom me. And then it's like, call me. And then it was like, all right, like, let's go to lunch. So we went to lunch and you know, it was like, whatever. I had zero expectations And then he just like really pursued me. And like, I kind of was like, okay, like maybe I'm more into this than I thought. And it definitely started developing. And then I would say, let's see, it was the end of November. So I kept going for strength tests and they kept saying, you know, your quad strength is actually decreasing. Wow. I I go, well, that's That's interesting. And I go, that's impossible. And here I am still healing this broken heart. Right. And so I'm like, well, that's impossible because like, I'm working out seven days a week, some days, three hours a day, PT on my own. That's impossible. It's not eating well, you know, doing things that also help that. And they kept kind of saying, they're like, well, what else is going on in your life? What else is going on? And in my head, and I'm like, I'm not telling you like Mm -hmm. you single doctor, like I'm not telling you. And my PT and I would talk about it and I would cry all the time there. And she knew what the tears were about. And she's like, screw him you're doing this on your own. Screw him. So it got so bad that they finally sent me for an MRI because my PT kept saying, and that she came, she in October made me go in and, and I saw the PA and the PA is a little more lax in my opinion than the doctor. And so he was like, come back in a month. And I'm like, why can't we do this now? Right. Good for you for sticking up for yourself. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know, Christine, my amazing PT, I was like, why can't we do this now? Like she thinks I'm having flexion problems. And and he's like, no, like, let's just, we'll give it another month. And I'm like, why not now? This is the end of October. So this is three weeks after I actually met my new guy. And he's like, come back like end of mid to end November. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. And I was supposed to see the doctor, but he got on a plane 
to go somewhere and they were like, do you want to reschedule? And I was like, no, no, I'll see the PA. It's fine. And then I was like, oh, I wish I rescheduled. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> Something wasn't clicking like fine. And I'm, I'm really honoring the, the journey that I'm supposed to be on. And so right. I get, I get to um, the doctor in the middle of November and they go, let's do an MRI because again, the muscle mass is going down and I'm crying and I'm frustrated. And I'm like, I get beat up at PT every week and I, I cry every time and we're doing BFR that makes me cry. And, and, you know, the massage, massage, you know, like all of it. And so the end of November comes and I go for the MRI and it shows that I'm lacking 50, I'm lacking 15 degrees of flexion. I have lesions in my joint. I have fat pad in the front, like all this mess of stuff. And, and they're, they can't get the swelling down to save their lives. And again, I'm thinking to myself, okay, like I'm, I'm not healing enough. I haven't relaxed enough. I don't ever just like sit and chill. It's always been hard for me. So like, okay. And so yeah. they're like, we need to operate. We need to go in and clean it up. And this happened to a lot of people with coronavirus because they couldn't do BFR. They couldn't do the treads. They couldn't, they right. couldn't get proper Their process was just changed a little bit. So totally. And I'm prone to scar tissue. I've had another surgery, uh, an abdominal before had to do a scar tissue cleanup. So I'm prone to it. So I was like, okay, but like, this is frustrating that this is happening now. This could have happened two months ago. Like what's the deal. And so I'm very reserved about my knee to new guy. And he was like, what, what can I do? And I'm like, nothing. Nope. Don't need help. Because guess what? The last time I had a knee issue, that guy fled. I mean, yes, I kicked him out, but like he ran. Again, so intertwined. You feel like. And I'm like, nope, we're good. We're good. I don't tell him anything. And finally he was just like, when are you, you know, it was like, when are you going to let me in? Mm. Let me help you. Let me dote on you. He's telling me all this. And I could tell he was frustrated because I'm bringing up a lot of my own issues because of my ex, understandably so. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I'm like, well, why is the surgery happening now? Well, maybe because I'm like two and a half months in with this guy versus like three weeks. And so everybody in my inner circle was like, you need to give him an opportunity, give him a chance to help you. So he was like, what can I do? Let me pick you up. Let me get you this. And I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, why don't you just come over the night before surgery? just come over. Like, it's fine. So I had surgery in the middle of December and he comes over and they had changed my surgery. Not once, not twice, but three times that day. And at the last, my cousin was going to take me. I felt good about that. And at the last second, they're like, okay, so your pickup time is going to be between four and five. That was the one hour she was not available that day. What? (laughs) And I was like, you had to ask your boyfriend. So I was like, oh my God, no. But I, again, we're looking for the signs. Yeah. I'm really trying to like find this journey and, and learn from it. And mm-hmm. he was like, just let me take you. So I said, okay, fine. So I have my cousin take me and I get there and they like, hand, and it's the same surgery center, the same surgeon as the last guy. So here mm-hmm. I'm having this like full circle moment, right? The first mm-hmm. surgery I, I broke up with my boyfriend. The second one, I'm starting to date this guy. And I'm like, I, I can't call him my boyfriend, but like all my friends are like, if he's taking you from surgery, girl, he's your boyfriend. Like, come on. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but like I had another guy here before, like, but like, why is this happening? And so I, uh, I get there and they're like, who's picking you up? So I rolled in by myself. I go, who's picking you up? And I go, um, Dave. And they're like, well, who's Dave? And I'm like, uh, 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 uh. And they just like spat out. I was like my boyfriend and they like write it on the paper for me to sign. And there's a place he's got to sign. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I, we, what? no, we haven't had this talk. 
And here this amazing man came into my life and was like, got me the game ready ice machine, got the ice for it, got the meds, checked in on me. I'm worried about you. Take me to PT, pick me up from PT. And like, I have never felt more uncomfortable in my entire life. And that is, a, you know, I feel like I'm like rambling now, but like, there's so much emotional yeah. connection tied to that. And I still have trouble asking for help. And I still feel like every, I, I, I'm, I'm allowing him to take me to the doctor. He sat and held my hand during that awful nerve conduction study. And we went to the doctor together for an hour appointment with a neurologist on Monday. And I watched him take out his phone the second she gave us our time for number two. And he was like, I already put it in my phone. And I was just like, I still get uncomfortable. It's still really hard for yeah. me. And hard for me to ask for help. And last night they started me on a new medication and I was feeling really sick and really out of it. And you know, my friend, my friends and I'm texting, they're like, do you remember what the doctor said about it? And I was like, no, I was there an hour. And the second she told me I had to come back for another test, like my mind was just wandering and they were all yeah. like, tell Dave, call Dave. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't mm -hmm. do it. I'm like, no, I want to be a girlfriend. I don't want to be a patient. And that's something that I feel like maybe a lot of people can relate to is that separating your, your feelings from theirs. Cause they want to help yeah. you and right. help you feel better. And yes, it is a lot for them. Like to become a caretaker is a lot. And I do check in with him as frequently as possible about it. But like, also it's like walking that fine line of like asking for help, accepting the help and like not being too much of a patient. So, and I get that. And I think that what, um, I am thankful you shared that whole journey because I do think that there's so many things in that, that people can relate to just how, uh, things that happen in our lives are intertwined with things that happen in our recovery. And that can create, you know, emotional things within our life can create uh, roadblocks within our recovery. And I think it takes us slowing down and analyzing and looking at it from a different perspective to say, oh, wow, like my knee swelled up, not because I did things wrong. It swelled up because I got in a fight with someone I love and that creates emotions and that creates tension within us that then causes a physical reaction. And I think sometimes we black that out that like our emotions aren't a part of this process and they're so much a part of it. They're so much a part of it. And, you know, I woke up from my second surgery and I don't know if anyone has had this, but like my quad was killing like that's what I felt was operated on huh. and the first thing I said was what did you guys do to my quad and they're like okay you're just drugged and then I mean I hit the PT bandwagon the very next day right because you knew you like let's, let's get going yeah and there's a lot of people that are scared to do that but I'm like nope let's LFG like let's go <laughs> And I got in there and I said to my PT, and yes, I was still drugged. And I was like, my quad is really hurting, like bad. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a couple of days later, it was getting still really bad. And I went to the doctor and they were kind of like, oh, you know, like we don't, it, maybe post-surgery nerves, like whatever. And that's when I went to the nerve specialist because it, it's now gotten to the point where it's so sensitive and it's freezing outside. Like I can't wear pants. Um, it feels like it's on fire always. It feels like I just deadlifted a hundred oh pounds and did like squatting. And I, I have, I, I have a little loss of feeling. I get discolored very easily. 
Um, I have two like huge pockets A first formed right away. The second is starting to form right where they went in on the second surgery, the incision marks. And they've really had trouble kind of figuring out, which is why now they're like, well, maybe it's an abductor thing. And like this nerve problem has probably always been there, but the second surgery may have just like really riled it up. Um, so they they hit something in your second surgery as well. I asked and they said, no, they, they think what happened. And I really do trust my doctor because I, the team is constantly on the phone, like the PT, the neurologist and the surgeon have like all been spent hours trying to figure out my case. Um, they think what may have happened is when they removed the scar tissue, it was sitting on the nerve and it released the nerve. And that's what just like exasperated, like all of the pain and the things that I'm feeling. Mm. So I'm a big believer in doing what you can. Um, speaking of Bethany, like that's her kind of motto. So when I go to Barry's, I just stay on the floor. Like I don't, there's no excuse to not work out. And I feel like people always are looking for excuses. And like, that's my happy place now. And and a year ago, I would have never said that, but, um, I do what I can. I push myself with what I'm allowed to do. And it's funny when I went in for the second surgery, I had one of the same nurses, like, again, like full circle. And she remembered my breakup and then she met my new guy. And he said to him, she goes, Hey, don't let her work out. Cause I, I can tell this is a girl that's like tomorrow going to grab her weights, let her take it easy. And I think that's one of the lessons I'm still being forced to learn is to learn how to listen to my body and take it easy. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not good at that. And, and I don't sit still well. Um, but you know, I really think it's important to, to push yourself, but like, it's also hard to not push yourself too much. And I'm definitely right. guilty of that because of the emotions, you know, yeah. I need to look good. I was so like, I need to look good to show my ex what he's missing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, I can. And, but that like makes me feel good to look good and have people tell me that. And it makes me feel good to have people now follow my journey. Like I started writing about it and documenting it so that maybe that make me feel better, but like, maybe that'll help somebody else too. Who's going yeah. through a similar thing. Have you felt that that's been a good release for you, the journaling and documentation? For sure. I've noticed a huge pivotal change once I started talking about it and writing about it. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, people might find this annoying. But then I was like, no, like I've had friends or people I work with that reach out to me. They're like, I follow your journey. I follow your, a lot of people say they've called it like my health journey, my fitness journey. Cause like, I'm not one to weigh myself or anything like that, but I can tell like I'm stronger and I'm this and that. And so, you know, to be in the best shape of your life as you're going through a recovery like this is an amazing thing to say. And I try to hold on to that, but I cry probably every day over something, Mm. you know, like, Like you're just talking to me right now. Emotional. Yeah. My quad is killing me and there's nothing, there's nothing I can do. If I, if I ride the bike for, for 30 minutes or I don't, it hurts just as bad. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's just trial and error and dreading going back to this test again in two weeks. And now the pill they have me on, like makes me loopy and nauseous Mm. and this and that. But I'm like, you know what? I haven't finished learning the lessons. What lessons do what I can learn? I'm still waiting to figure that out. So something that I say a lot with ACL club, you probably see me say it is just small wins, small wins, and they add up. And even you talking about how, how proud you are of where you are at in your health journey and what you've become one day of rest is not going to mess up everything that has been put in. Right. And I think that that is something that I really struggled with too, as an athlete, I, 
I felt like every day I didn't perform or every day I didn't push myself, somebody else was, and I was constantly nervous that I was falling behind. And I think once I released myself of that and said, okay, especially during my, I had seven surgeries, I had three ACLs on my left knee. Like I was, I went through the, the ringer and it really took me to that last injury to say, you know, clearly this is trying to break down something. And it was a lot of pride for me. Like for me personally, I had to break down, like, I can do this. I can get back. And I was like, you know, for me, I'm, I believe in God and I feel like God has a plan for me and kind of like what you're saying, like all these things happen for a reason. Like I totally believe in that as well. And I felt like I had to learn that it wasn't about me and it was about like how I was touching everybody else around me and reacting to things that that really allowed me to like rest in some of these emotions that I had kind of pushed down for a long time and feeling that I wasn't good enough, you know? And I just think that however that um, like we're all learning different things through our recoveries. And for you, it does sound like you're continuing to learn, like, how do I let go of some things so other things can come in? Right. Totally. I mean, the other day I was just doing sit-ups and I remember getting up and I was just like, just started bawling. And I'm like, I hate that I can't do whatever, do what I want to do. Yeah. And like, see, this is where like, I get very emotional. And that's okay. Like, honestly, I've had totally, I mean, to not be able to do things like I'll sit in PT sometimes. Cause I, with this nerve thing, like they took yeah. me, now I can't do BFR. So it's like, they've taken away my BFR. They've taken away my tread. They've taken everything away from me. And I sit there and I'm just like, why, you know, like I'm putting mm-hmm. in the work, I'm doing everything, did everything right. And it's so, it's just like upsetting and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And that's when any other things in life that you're upset about start to kind of like come out. And that's when, at least for me, I tend to push other people away. Right. And uh, hide and get in my hole because, you know, especially when you're dating somebody new, we just finally officially started calling <laughs> the boyfriend thing, which is very hard for me to do. And I'm still not comfortable with it, but like it, I'm pushing myself because like I'm being taught to push. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard for me to open up and like, let somebody see that side of me because I don't like, that's not who I am. Like, you know, going through this, like I often feel like I'm trapped in somebody else's body. Yeah. I can, and I can I'll feel sit that. At PT and I'll watch people do things that I want to do. Like I miss doing full squats. I miss doing the bands. And like to think before my second surgery, I was doing those things. And now I'm not, it's so upsetting and frustrating. And my PT, she knows me so well. I like praise PTs, by the way, like they're so amazing. They're amazing. And I'll like, I looked just like out of the corner of my, eye. I don't even know how she caught me. And she goes, don't look, you're going to get back there. Yeah. And I mean, I just like lost it because it's so upsetting to not be able to do. And you, people who haven't been through these journeys, they don't know. And I know that I went through this breakup and met somebody else, whether Mm -hmm. Whether he is somebody who's my forever or not, you know, obviously it's so new and it remains to be unseen, but he was brought into my life. I think at the very least to like teach me how to ask for help, accept it and learn that people are not going to abandon you in a time of need. Wow. 
And I think that, but that in, in my head, I still have not fully accepted, fully, accepted that. fully learned because guess what? I am still having setbacks. They cannot get the swelling down. And the doctor again asked me last week, he's like, is there anything else going on emotionally? You know, that could be tied to this for you, extra stress. And I'm like, mm, I'll talk to my therapist about that. Thank you. Like, you know what I mean? So it, it's, I, and I do believe anybody going through this journey should have a therapist at the same time. Totally. Oh my gosh. I, w- I like, wish that was part of every insurance plan that you got totally. physical therapy and you got mental therapy because it is, it is so key. When you're sitting here now and we've been talking for a little bit and you've, you've told the, not all of your story, but a majority of your story. And, um, I did read something, um, on your social that said, it feels like a, yet another setback, but it wouldn't be a good story without some twists and turns. And, uh, you're, you know, you're in entertainment reporting, you know, good stories, you know, all those, those things. And I'm just curious how you feel right now after having said all that you've said, does, is it feel like that was a helpful, was it helpful to say those things? Does it still feel painful or what are, what kind of goes through your mind after you share your story like that? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's very therapeutic and I think it's because I'm a journalist and because, you know, I'm more of a reporter than a writer and mm-hmm. it's funny. I have a total tendency and this is definitely the reporter in me, but I have a total tendency to like, I, I can't like condense things. And even when I, every time that I go to like okay, I want to talk about my second surgery. I want to talk about the fact that I was able to get on the tread or I was able to walk today with one crutch or like whatever it was, I would start to write in every time like Instagram was like, oh, you have too many words, too many words. And I'm like, well, but how do I edit this down? Because I have so many feelings and emotions and I think it's so healthy to talk about it and, and to get it out and there's people that sit there and read the whole thing. And there's people that just like skim at the pictures and like, Oh, look, she's walking. I had somebody say to me recently and I don't, I, 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 well, there's two things. Somebody said to me recently, they're like, Oh, you're having another thing done. I thought it was just your ACL. And I'm sitting there like, girl, okay. That's when people are like, I'm just this. I'm like, no, you're not. That's your job. You're really good at that. Like don't discredit anything and and don't discredit this process. No. And then somebody said to me, because after, for those who have had the nerf, the EMG done or EMG, I can't remember what it's called, but for the people who've had that done, you know, that it's, it reminds you that you're already in pain, like to, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically they sit there and they taser you at point at, at an already not working and in pain body part. And I had my first one for, I think it was four, three or four weeks post-op. And then they go in with a needle and, and prick you and shock you. And what, so I screamed and cried mm. and, you know, my boyfriend sat there and held my hand and I'm sitting there thinking like, how is, is he okay to watch this? And, and even when I got the second appointment, I was like, are you okay to come back? Cause like, I think that it is important to check in with your caretakers and your helpers as well. Cause that's yeah. gotta be hard for them to yeah. see. Like that. And I just, I couldn't stop screaming because it was rehashing all of the, hmm. everything I've been through and like, why me? And why is this still happening on top of the pain on top of the fact that someone is 
torturing you. It literally was like torture emotionally and physically. And I had a friend afterwards, like I couldn't stop crying for like two days between the pain and the emotions. It was either pain, emotion, Mm -hmm. pain, emotion. Mm -hmm. And someone said to me, they're like, it's over. So just get over it. I could not get off of a FaceTime fast enough because that to me was like, this is somebody who's not, I don't, I know they don't mean it, but this is somebody who's not serving me well right now. Yeah. And I think that's so important. You will find out who your true rock support system is. And then there'll be people who want to be there for you, but they don't know how. And that person fell into that category. And then there's people who just don't give an F. Yeah. And those people are the people that I've removed from my life. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that a lot of people, they want to be there for you. They don't know how, because they've never been through this kind of a journey. And, right. and I feel a lot better when I get it out there. And then sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, are people thinking like not oversharing, but like they, they just don't understand. And yeah. And I, I totally think that is. And I think one of the hard things about any traumatic event is you have to also teach people how to be there for you as well. They, people want to be there and they want to support you, but as you said, sometimes they just don't know how to do that. So then it, it almost adds another layer onto what you're trying to go through. Like, um, you know, I, I honestly, I know that you're whoever that was, like, I know you're trying to help me, but that's not helpful to me right now. And, and not it to be like, that's the, one of the most challenging parts I think is like really growing your team and bringing them to the level where they feel like they can show that love and the support. And it also is something that you can accept and feel and know that it is helpful for you. It is so difficult. It is so difficult because not everybody is going to serve you. Right. And it's, that's another painful thing is you just have to let those people go in some, some parts of your journey. Totally. And I think whoever has been watching out over me this last year, you know, I believe I I told several people I tore my ACL to get my ex-boyfriend out of my life Mm -hmm. because I would have ended up with that person who was not the right person for me because clearly they can't handle anything. Yeah. Um, and, and I believe wholeheartedly that's why he flashed before my eyes when it happened. Like that's never happened to me before. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I remember you saying that now, but like everybody who is in my life has like, no, that happened for a reason. And to, I, to have my surgery when I did happen for a reason, it could have happened yep. six weeks before, but I, I would have, you would have missed all the things and being on the carpets and not being able to do that. And you wouldn't have had the you know, the adaptation of doing the show that you're doing. I, I agree. Like there are so many things that, um, you know, you're going to look back on this year and know that, that the pain and the things that happened to you as well, like they can sit side by side, right. It can be painful and it can be beautiful almost at the same time. Absolutely. And I really tapped into that. And I, mm-hmm. I actually shared with my new still getting used to it. My new boyfriend. Um, Keep saying it, girl. I know. It's, it's, it's odd. And, and I'm going to send this to him when this is done. But, Good. you know, I, I remember sitting down on my birthday and I, I, I started opening up a little bit more about my journey and, and the fact that I feel like everything's kind of like so intertwined. And I really believe it's like, I'm not done learning lessons. I do believe that I still need to learn to accept help. I should have sent a text last night saying, Hey, I don't feel good. What did I miss here? Cause it, it rather than like sit there and type it and be afraid to send it. Like I kind of feel. Will like you do that, that next time? I don't know, but I kind of feel like that's why I try. 
setbacks. Yeah. I, I try to push myself. I, yeah. I do, but I think again, yeah. it's, I don't know if it's pride or if it's more so like, no, 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 I, I can do this. You know, there's mm-hmm. like a difference between being quote unquote needy and, and being like, I'm not being needy, but like, I do need you. Yeah. And that's the line that I, I struggle walking because I still, I am so independent and I do like to take care of myself. And right. you know, my son is seven. I'm a single mom who works really hard and he, has now like taken care of me a lot of times. Like I can't, you know, I mean, you guys know, it's like you can't bend down at the bottom of the fridge. Yeah. You can't bring a cup of water into the other yeah. room. People don't get that. You can't. I cried. I was like, water. what? There yeah. was water yeah. in the living room. <laughs> get on the, get on the shower. My new boyfriend has had to shower and bathe me. Do you know how embarrassing that was? But like, that's when I'm like, all right, guess you're in, you know, like, <laughs> Like there's just so much. And anytime, I don't know about you, but anytime I now see somebody on crutches, mm. like fresh out of surgery, I, I stop and I like, I have a moment because yeah. it's like rehashes everything for yeah. me. And that's everything. It's, it's everything for me. It's my breakup. It's my, my, my surgery, my injury, the pain of waking up after surgery and being like, oh shit, excuse me. I hope we're allowed to say that. Okay. <laughs> I, cannot walk now. I can't walk. I can't move. I can't, I'm about to be handicapped walking into that surgery center, knowing you're knowing what's to come. My second surgery, it did not hit me. I walked in as if I was like, walk, like checking in to like go to Mastro's. I was like, Oh yep. Lene Brody here for my 12 o'clock. And I'm like, is Mastro's a restaurant or what? Yeah, it is. (laughs) And I was just like, this is weird. Like, yeah, I, it's strange. It hit me when I woke up and yeah. I'm like, okay, I've got these, those compression socks up to my butt. I look horrible. Like I feel horrible. I'm drugged up. Like yeah. what is life right now? Yeah. Lene, I just am, I'm so glad I got to talk with you because you've just been so real about a lot of things that I think people struggle with and are nervous to talk about. I mean, you even said you're nervous to talk about some of these things, but I also, um, I'm so thankful for it because even in listening to you, I do feel like you're in a position that you're not only learning lessons, but you're in a place where you're teaching and showing your son these lessons as well. Like how cool is it going to be when you get to that place of strength and vulnerability and you can show your son all like you can be strong, but vulnerable as well and say, yeah, I'll take that help. I'll do this. And, and there is such a beauty in that. And that's what women, I think, you know, that's what we're built for is to be strong and vulnerable. Right. And I just, I am just so proud of all the things you've been working through because I can't imagine how, you know, we each have our own story, but there's some been, been some heavy stuff and sitting in it and not doing anything and feeling the emotions feels like it's not work, but it's a lot of work. Totally. There's no lower point that I've ever had in my life than sitting in my parents' bed in Arizona, my childhood home, because mm-hmm. they had to throw me in the car because my partner, like I keep saying like, yes, he, I broke up with him, but he abandoned me. Yeah. He had a choice and he made it. And yes, he's, he will live his life forever and regret. And that's fine. And I'm okay with that. And I'm so happy he's not in my life, but to sit there 
on a movement machine, being abandoned, feeling abandoned. So like now having to work through that, having this machine move your leg, your parents taking care of you and showering you and, and feeding you. And we all know how stressful it is to live with our parents during a pandemic, you know, while like all of these things recovering from a broken heart and you're literally just sitting, all you can mm-hmm. do is sit and that CPM machine is not comfortable. And as I'm sure all of your listeners know, then your butt starts to hurt because all you're doing <laughs> is sitting, yeah. so then you've got all those issues that you've never thought about. My butt hurts so bad, more than my knees some days. It was an all time low for me. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it. I'm like, I have two choices right now. All right. I can sit in my lows and be miserable and feel sorry for myself and whatever, which I do. I can do that no matter what, or I can try my very best to try to find some positive joy in this, whether it's helping somebody out, paying it forward. And I have never been more thankful to my boss yeah. for letting me launch this series because it let me do something that I love. And listen, I would do it in between PTs. I would do it in between CPM machines. I would, whatever I'd sit there and cry and I still feel bad for myself. And I still have days I feel bad for myself and that's okay. It's okay. But I didn't want to let depression win. Yes. And I like that. And, you know, again, I still have really bad days. I still have days. I feel bad for myself. I, I cry most days. Yeah. No, let it out, whatever. But like, that's therapeutic for me, mm-hmm. but I can sit here and say that I'm doing the best that I can with it. Mm. Because I'm putting in the work on myself and my leg. And while they still can't get the swelling down and I still am going through it, it's because of something, whether that's to bring me closer to my new partner, whether that's to teach me to ask for help in a different way, to accept help, to send those text messages and not be afraid, whatever it is, I still am learning. And I think it's so important to take the lessons and, and try your best not sit and sulk. That's why I'm like, sit ups, arms, I'll go to Barry's and I go to Barry's and I look at the tread and I will start crying and I do get upset and I will come home and have a moment or sit in my car, but you know what? I will get back there and it's going to feel so good the day I do this is temporary and we all need to remind ourselves it's temporary yep I love that the last thing I'm going to ask you is the podcast is called show your scars and um, your scars are new and you've got a couple different ones now recently but when you look at your scars what do they mean to you I I love your slogan and it's actually, you were so sweet to send me a sticker with my amazing shirt that I love and wear and so proudly. And I actually got a soul cycle bike and I, I ordered it like two weeks before my surgery. And my dad was like, are you sure you want to get this now? And I was like, yeah, because once I get clear to do the bike and we all know the bike, oh my God, the first circle on the bike is so painful and so emotional. And I hysterically cried. And my PT documents my journey on our phones. Like I always, she's always like, do it first before I take your picture. And I'm like, no, take your picture. (laughs) And I put that sticker, the scar sticker on my bike. Mm. And I wear the bracelet that you sent me to is as often as I need encouragement. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, I'll go for a walk and I'll start and I'll feel okay. And it'll start to hurt really bad. It'll lock up, it'll swell. And I get pissed and I cry and I sit down and I'm like, should I call my boyfriend and have him pick me up? Cause this is hurting and this is not okay. And I don't want to hurt myself further. 
but am I just having a little piece of scar tissue that's not getting worked out? And so every time I look at the scars, like I do get upset. I do get sad, but it reminds me of everything I've gone through and I'm still going through. And I'm sure that's how a lot of people feel. And it, it makes me feel strong and it makes me feel sad. And I think it's okay to feel, feel strong and sad in the same sentence, you know? Honestly, I think that that is one of the best things I've heard because it is so true. It is so true. I think we're all learning that, especially um, last year was a, a wake up call to that, that it can be hard and there could be some real beauty in, in it. So Lene, this has been amazing. And we're going to definitely have to hear what happens next because um, we're invested in your journey now. Like we are with everybody we meet at the ACL club, right? I know that you've talked about how you've met people on our Instagram and on our social and you guys are co- following each other's journey. So um, I'm just thankful that you shared and thank you for spending some time and, and telling us your journey. Yeah. Thank you. And anyone can reach out to me and follow me on social. It's at Lene Brody, L-A-N-A-E-B-R-O-D-Y. You can follow my work and my personal journey there because they are so intertwined. And, and that's really like the focus of my social is like, I have like my ACL journey, which uh-huh. I need like a story for now to like, it's like the last picture of me skiing. And that's the other thing actually is like, my goal, I need a goal for myself. Okay. Well, my goal was to go skiing this year to get back on skis. And unfortunately that's not going to happen now. Um, they made that pretty clear to me. The doctor was like, from an ACL standpoint, yes. But with all this other stuff going on, your quad is not strong enough Mm -mm. to, to go through this. And you know, that was a low and a depressing thing. And you know, my dad's like, well, you could go up there and just like hang out. I go, uh, uh-uh, I can't do that. That will, yeah. does your dad know you? I've only talked to you for an hour and I know that that's not something you could do. No, And I'm like, there's no way that I could sit up there, but it is so, you know, so many people have said to me, Oh, you're never going skiing again. Right. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going that Good. moment, that day, the first day that I click in and can mm. go, I will be, yeah. Like mentally I'm afraid. I mean, who wouldn't be, but mentally, that is a hurdle I need to jump. Yeah. And I cannot wait to do it. And I'm so upset that it's not going to be, I mean, unless there's like by the grace of God, some sort of miracle, I also shouldn't go spring skiing because it's slushy and that's like a risk, but like, and usually I would, I would succumb to that, but a lesson not succumbing to that hey. stop, stop when we, when we feel uncomfortable and we don't need to push even though I still do. Um, but that would be hazardous for me. So I really look forward to next ski season and I want to surround myself with people that are going to be cheering me on and rooting mm-hmm. for me. And I, I can't wait. And I think it's so important. Like you injure playing soccer, go play soccer again. Even if you, even if you're too scared to like go all out, like, even if I was really too scared to go skiing, I would make it a point to click in and like do a bunny hill just to be like, Oh my God, I did it. And celebrate that moment because yes. those will be big moments. Just thinking about it gets me mm-hmm. all like emotional and riled yeah. up. So, yep. yeah. All right. We better get a video tagged of us when you click in next year. Done. Done. <laughs> Done. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. What a great conversation. Thank you. What a fun conversation. I hope you guys feel inspired by her story and how she has found her way in uh, what was a crazy year and learned so much from everything that happened and really learned to harness the opportunity that was in front of her with just adapting her work and listening to herself. Gosh, what an important lesson to listen to your intuition. 
If you want to follow her, she's at Lene Brody on Instagram. A fun follow there. And always nice when ACL Club supports ACL Club. That's it from me. Make sure you guys go out there and show your scars with pride.